millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Roma Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav, back once again after another weekend of exciting, exhilarating, scintillating championship football as Sunderland come away from the behemoth of Luton Town with a point in tow. And joining me today is Chris Wynn. Hi, mate. Good evening, Gavin. Making a habit of this. Yeah, it's just me and you this week, isn't it? it? What's going on? People are going to start talking about us, just me and you together. So, Sunderland's trip to Luton, we'll we'll get right into it there because we'll probably talk a little bit about the Huddersfield game. But uh, yeah, so we uh, made the big old trip down to Luton to take on Nathan Jones' side at Kenilworth Road. This is a game which everybody told us would be difficult because Kenilworth Road is a hard place to go. Some of the crack around it reminds us a little bit of when we used to go to Pompey. People talk about Fratton Park, about how the pitch is close to the, the stands and the, the fans are on top of you and the atmosphere can be quite raucous, even though it's a, a little stadium. Everything's compact and it does make it difficult for the players and uh, their form's been good they're in decent form people are starting to talk about them again as a potential playoff contender after a bit of a naff start really so all things considered a point probably isn't a bad result is it especially considering we went one nil down no i think it's a really good point and um you know your summary of, of Luton town there if anyone wants to um, read the well if only they read the intro to uh, match their musings that I put up after the game I try to kind of sum up what a trip to Luton is like you know you, it's pretty hmm. you know miserable <laughs> miserable affair you yeah just... I've been I've been and it wasn't great I think I parked um this was the game when we won the championship under Keane we parked in Morrison's about a mile away from the ground and it's just mad you like you have to walk past through loads of back lanes and pa- I think the away end's actually sort of in the middle of a couple of houses just yeah. people's houses at either side it's just it's just like I mean can you imagine if they got promoted I mean they were in the playoffs last year oh, yeah. you imagine like that being a Premier League stadium it would have they probably would have done really well because you would have had like the big shots going to Luton and thinking what the hell is this? And they would have used it to their advantage. Wait, they'd need to spend a fortune if they got promoted They're doing everything out because it's a, it's a mess yeah yeah it's an absolute mess. But yeah. like the, when you said those backyards, I mean, you, you get in, you walk up them steps, don't you? Like almost looking down yeah. at people's mm-hmm. back gardens and trampolines yes. and, and all that sort of stuff. I, can, but, I think I saw a photo of someone who put, <laughs> they were walking into the way end and someone had washing on their line. Just as they're going into the way end. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's, it is, it's one of those places though, like you said, it's, it's tight. It's, you know, it's, it just makes you feel uncomfortable because it's, it's just got that feel about it that everything's on top of you and all this sort of stuff. And it's you just want to get in, get something out of it and, and get out as quickly as possible, really. But it had that kind of feel about it. And, and actually, the, the start of the game, I mean, God, first 10 minutes, even from afar, I felt like the players feel uncomfortable because they were they were on top of us first 10 minutes. I mean, after, after 10 minutes of the game, I thought, if we get anything out, this will have done well. So, I mean... Just to get a point at the end of it, and I mean, we'll, we'll get into kind of all the details, but just to get a point out of that game, especially with how it started, I mean, I, I was chuffed at the end. And again, didn't have a recognised striker on the pitch for most of it. I know Ellis Sims did come on, but we um, we had to find a different way to play. We might as well talk about the team selection to start with, because that did uh, 
raise a few eyebrows, didn't it? <laughs> when it did. we saw that Bailey Wright was starting. Even though, to be fair, we on the Friday Night Live uh, show we did on Twitter, quite a lot of us were in agreement that we should probably start Bailey Wright because we just thought, especially with so many defenders missing and the fact that we're being taken advantage of on set pieces and corners and stuff, that maybe bringing him in would just give us a little bit more protection. And um, I think for the majority of the game, Bailey Wright did offer us that. You know, he gave us a little bit more. It was interesting as well, listening to the stream, because obviously I wasn't there either, but because the cameras are so close to the pitch, Bailey Wright, you could just hear him barking orders at everybody all the way through the game. So, you know, he does. He brings something that we maybe don't have in other areas of the pitch. Uh, so he came in. Uh, I think Leon Diaku starting again raised more than a few eyebrows because he's, to be honest, he's been nowhere near the team at all. And then all of a sudden he's starting. But this is Mowbray's way, isn't it? He he does have this thing in him where he'll just like pinpoint a player and think, you know, today if I throw him in, he might show us why, you know, shows how hungry he is and how much he wants to be here. And I presume that was the uh, that was the call he made with Diaku because on the bench. He had Embleton, who had been starting games recently. Patrick Roberts, you know. So the, the players on there who could maybe have made a, an impact for us from from out wide. I know Roberts probably was deemed not fit enough, which is why he didn't start. But uh, Jewison Benetti didn't get into the squad at all. You know, uh, Abdullah Bar wasn't in the squad. So quite a lot of players who could have played and didn't play. And he went with Leon Diaku. And I, I, when I saw the team, I thought he might start up front, but he didn't. He played out wide. So there was a couple of little things there, wasn't there, that we can maybe take note of. How, how do you think they played and what did you make of the, the decision to start those two players in particular? Well, I think that the whole Bailey Wright one was about uh, was about Luton Town. I mean, having a, I mean, you, I mean, if I don't, don't really want to mention him, but if we go back to Alex Neal, um, a lot of our praise for Alex Neal was <laughs> was around kind of having a plan for for various kind of opposition, different styles of opposition. Yeah. And so far, Tony Mowbray has been pretty consistent with kind of what eleven he's shaped up with, and he hasn't done too much rotation in the starting eleven. He's kind of made you know made changes during the game, especially kind of late in the second half. But I think he looked at Luton Town, looked at the style of how they're going to play, and he thought, well, they're going to play with two big physical front men so you know and, and Lugo 9's been doing well there but I think Lugo 9 is more suited to those games you know where we've got more possession at the back and he's going to get yeah, a, definitely a, and he's going to get a lot of the ball and we need we need that kind of player who can play us out of defense quickly and play that play that right ball you know wide whether it's a fullback or whether it's in the midfield or whatever and I think he's thought, well, you know, Luton Town away, it's not going to be that type of game. It's going to be physical. There's going to be high balls coming in. It's going to be balls into the box. And if you're going to do that, Bailey Wright is kind of the man you need for that sort of battle, isn't it? You know, and then push 09 out, out to full back and then and then kind of Hume, you know, went onto the bench um after after starting it um the, the last game. But uh but yeah, I mean I think that's that's what that thinking was all about. The Diaku one, I mean that must be surely just Mowbray, you know, Mowbray sees them day in, day out. Diaku must have done something right and said, you know, and, yeah. and kind of done the business on the training ground and, and Mowbray has been wanting to throw him in or he's been knocking on the door saying, look, you know, we're not scoring goals. Give us give us a, give us a chance and I'll, I'll try and get one. It was also interesting starting off because, I, I mean, I was before the kickoff, I was writing down, trying to do different variations of who was going to play where because obviously it's not obvious without a recognised striker. And I actually wrote down that we, you know, with Diaku up front and I had Ahmad on the right and it seemed to start off that way. And then I think after that kind of five, 10 minute period or during that kind of early period where we were kind of under the cosh a bit, um, I think Mowbray swapped them two and, and Diaku yeah. came, came onto the, to the flank and Ahmad went up front because I just think we were we weren't getting a sniff and Diaku wasn't able to hold it up and kind of you know and actually we got a bit of joy from it because we we had a couple of breaks and that's how we ended up getting out after being pinned in for kind of the first ten minutes I think uh, we had a break and actually Ahmad and Diaku kind of combined and um, I think it was just a bad touch from Diaku and he he could have been in in the end but uh, we need it was we a need, great ball that by yeah, the way it was a yeah. really good ball I, th- I just weren't on the same wavelength I don't think. 
No, it was it was, a good, it was a, no, it was a good run, but but like you said, it needed that change, and we need and in the end, we started to play it a bit longer because we realised Luton Town was so on top of us, but it needed something to give after those first ten minutes because, like I said, I, I I feared for the worst after after that opening period. It was poor, wasn't it? We just we just started as badly as we ended the last game. I mean, Dan Neil kept putting them in on goal. I think three minutes, two three minutes in the game, he made the same mistake that he made for Burnley's fourth. He passed it straight to one of their players and we were really lucky not to concede from it. But it wasn't the only incident in that 10 minutes because there were so many of them. Well, well Luton should have been ahead. Diaku yeah, couple yeah. minutes before that did exactly the same. Luton should have been ahead. They yeah. should have they should have scored. They hit the post, came close a couple of times. We had to clear quite a few. There was blocks in the box, which is where Bailey Wright came in handy. It, it wasn't good. And I think there was a little break around about the eighth or ninth minute where Mowbray got a couple of them in for a word. Mm. And that's when we started to turn a little bit. Because I remember saying to the to the lads, I was like, this has been probably the worst 10 minutes of football I've seen all season. Like in terms of the first 10 minutes of a game. It's as bad as we'd played. But then after that, to be fair to us, we, we, we did take a little bit of control. And I think... You've got to give us a little bit of credit for doing that. But also, I don't actually think Luton were particularly good, if I'm honest. I think it was one of those games where the teams went back and forth because where we were a little bit weak, so were they. So it was when we were going forward, we were getting in behind. And when they were getting forward, they were finding it quite easy. I'm actually surprised it only finished ones each because had either team taken a couple of more chances, it, it could have opened the game right up. But I thought that in terms of a spectacle of football... While the actual football wasn't simply, and it wasn't like watching Man City versus Real Madrid, but both teams were finding it quite easy to create chances, um, which obviously we've seen that with us. We know Sunderland are, are that type of team. We you know we know where our weaknesses are, but I wasn't expecting that from Luton. If I'm honest, I was expecting them to be a little bit harder to break down. The way the game went, I think that that's what Luton are. I put in the kind of summary of the game that it was one of the scrappiest games we've had this season. That you know mm-hmm. it was, but you couldn't take your eyes off it because it was scrappy. Like both teams mm-hmm. couldn't put a running passes together. I mean, even even the the chances we were getting, it was because we'd played it long first and then kind of got a foot on it, created something. Well, like that that Diaco one, that Diaco yeah. one where we hit the post. I, how did he get on the end of that? Yeah. <laughs> the Luton defender just totally misjudges the flight of the ball and he's in behind. Exactly. It, it, it happened a few times. I mean, we, we didn't put it on the deck, you know, like we normally do, pass it around the back, then in the midfield and then back for a bit and have a period of possession. We didn't do any of that. We, we hit it longer and I think it was purely because of the way Luton played. Because Luton are just, they, they play this kind of scrappy way where it's kind of anybody's game. And they force their opponents to kind of play the way they do, and they make the game, mm-hmm. especially at home. They just make it scrappy. And like I said, we we kind of rode it out. I mean, all right, I think we rode our luck a little bit, you know, in that first you know ten fifteen minutes. But once we'd rode that out and then got ourselves back into the game, it became like you said, it became that kind of almost game of basketball where it was like us playing a long ball forward, getting a chance, then playing a long ball forward, getting a chance. And it was just kind of, it was going like that. Nobody wanted to kind of put a foot up, foot on the ball and just calm the, the game, uh, calm the game down. But I, I just think that's the way Luton are. And Luton are successful playing that way and get points from it and get wins from it. And I think coming out of that opening period and doing what we did, because we, we last week we questioned the mentality of these players or you know how strong they were mentally after what happened against Burnley and you asked in the in the last pod you said you know how do we bounce back from that and I actually think that we we proved a point by coming out of that early period against Luton after we struggled and getting back into the game that actually we'd we'd learned from that Burnley game. Yeah yeah well it was it was probably a more settled performance in the in the sense that we I think once we learned after that 10 minutes look we could this could be a goal fest if we don't <laughs> tighten up yeah. the lads did to be fair you know like I, I, I pointed out Dan Neil being slack but I actually thought as the game grew he got a little bit better yeah. but he did okay you know there was a there was there was a couple of times where he won some really good tackles down in the right back spot that set us off on the on it and he's good at that um and it, I, I guess with Neil Maybe we don't say this enough about him because he's a little bit different to some of the other lads we've got who are young. But he is young. He's still got lots of mistakes and he's still got learning. This is his first season in the championship. The manager's put a lot of faith in him 
because he's playing every single game, whether he's bad or not. He plays every week. They've obviously looked at him and went, he has to play every week when he's fit if we're going to get the best from him down the line because taking him in out the team is not going to help him. So Dan Neal stays in pretty much whenever he's fit, doesn't he? Yeah. And um, we, we've we seen sort of like what, what, what I would say, that embodiment of Dan Neal's game where he is a little bit inconsistent. We saw that in the in the first half against Luton because he was, like I say, could have quite easily made a mistake which put us a goal down very early but then grew into it and was quite effective and worked really well with Ahmad. And that's another player we should probably come on to in a bit but um, we'll, we'll quickly fly through the first half. So like I say, it was back and forth. We had chances, they had chances. There was that Diaco one which stands out which um, I thought he was really unlucky actually. I haven't watched the replay back. He doesn't look up when he hits the ball so I'm not really sure he knows where it's going instinctively he might know it's going to the, the post that it hits towards that corner. Mm. Um but but Danny Collins on the stream he he thought that maybe a that Leon Diaco should have opened his body up and shot across the keeper. I just think um sometimes especially with young players they, they go on instinct, don't they? They just smack the ball. It's sort of the, the more experienced lads who are a bit calmer under pressure and in them situations they already know what they're gonna do three seconds before they hit the ball. Yeah. He's just yeah he's just he's just trying to score, trying to give us something, trying to impress. So you saw it when he hit the post, he sort of head in his hands, he was devastated, um, but really unlucky, wasn't he? And I mean, that's probably the only big chance he had in the game, but fair play to him for taking it on because, you know, he could have done Danny Collins, maybe said and opened his body up and went to the other side and the keeper could have just caught it because it would have, you would have had to use the inside of his foot. Instead, he's used his laces, he's put his foot through it to hit the post. It's a bit unlucky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I think well, I think by his reaction, I think that shows you how desperate he is for a goal because mm-hmm. I think all the all the players now know that you know when they get a chance, and it was almost you know a lot a lot of us were were thinking it was a bit out the blue for Diaco to come in. So you know he probably thought, well, I've got this chance. If I get a goal, then you know I, I've got more of a chance of playing more often because he he is kind yeah. of on the he has been on the fringes. But that that chance when he, it was only half a chance, really, you wouldn't you wouldn't actually say, oh, it was a really good chance because you know, yeah, I think uh, he still had that defender around and he was still kind of and he was on his wrong foot. Oh, he done brilliantly, didn't yeah. he? He done brilliantly. Even worked the shot when you look at it, he sort of jinks a little bit, sends the defender the wrong way to open up the space, and goes the other side of the goalkeeper, which probably wasn't what they were expecting, you know. Yeah, but but the, what you said though, instead, you know, okay, yes, naturally you'd want people to try and go for that far corner because it, it kind of just makes sense. But actually, on his wrong foot, he's probably got more control over it if he's swinging it like that than trying to kind of be accurate into the... Because to, to get power on it with your wrong foot to curl it into the far corner, I don't think, like you said, I think it probably would have just been a team effort that went straight to the keeper. But swinging his foot for that near post, he probably got a bit more power on it. And actually, when... when I, you know, I saw the original, you know, in full speed... And then when you saw it in slow motion, I, I I'm not sure the keeper would have gotten there, actually. No. What do you make of the goal, then? Because I listened to Tony Mowbray talk about it. The timing was awful, by the way. Second minute of injury time, first half. That's just the worst time to possibly concede is an injury time at the end of the first half. But after the game, Tony Mowbray just wasn't happy at all. I mean, he, he often just skirts around any issues with officials because he's He's wise enough to know that if he opens his mouth too much, he could end up getting a big fine, a touchline ban and all the rest of it. So, you know, he was probably a lot harsher about the the officials behind mm-hmm. the scenes. But in his um, conversation with the club media, he actually made a point to point it out this time. He was, he was like, you know, once again, I feel as though the officials have had a bad day. It was something like that. Mm-hmm. Or had an off day or had a tough day. You know, he didn't turn around and say, I thought the ref was shite or whatever. But he, um, of course, the incident he was referring to was the first goal. We've watched it back a couple of times just before we, we came on. And it was interesting, wasn't it? There was a couple of things that we noticed, having watched it a good few times. First off is the foul to Danny Bart, or I don't know whether whether you think it was a foul or not. Um, but Danny Bart goes down, sort of Carlton Morris makes a beeline for him. Does, to be fair, kick him or knee him. I can't really tell mm. properly what he does, but he, Danny Bart doesn't know he's there and he gets something in the back of the leg. It's enough to, for him to notice and go down. It's not, you know, you wouldn't accuse Danny Bart of being soft, would you? So I think he's whatever he's done's 
been enough to send him down. While he's on the floor, the, the ball's still out on the wing. Where the game's still going on. Dennis Serkin's 1v1 with, you said it was Alfie Doherty, didn't you? I think it is. Mm. Their wing back. Serkin, like uh, last week against Burnley, shows the man, instead of going to it, this time he shows him down the line onto his right foot, which I found strange because Doherty's right footed. So you're showing him onto his decent foot. He goes down the outside, he crosses the ball in. All the while, Bart's on the floor. Bailey Wright's then left with two men, doesn't really know what to do, turns around to sort of appeal to the referee, who isn't even looking at what's going on with Danny Bart. He's watching the ball. And in that sort of half a second, Carlton Morris is unmarked at the front post and does really well, to be fair, to flick it towards goal. Patterson spreads himself, but it isn't enough because it goes through his legs and under him and it's a goal. I mean, there's quite a lot to unpack there, but <laughs> how, how did you see it? I mean, was it a foul? Do you think Sirkin should have done better? Should Patterson have done better? What's Bailey right? I mean, lots going on there, wasn't there? Well, for a start, to say that you've replayed it a couple of times would be an understatement. We must have seen it about <laughs> 40 times already. But uh, It was but, late, what, late last week, mate. I've just <laughs> you know, got, to, got to make you pay. <laughs> but, I mean the, the whole the whole thing just stank to be honest the whole I mean the, the problem was because uh, I remember thinking that you know the um, fourth official put the uh, put the board up two minutes and as soon as he did that it was like we just fell asleep it's like we just stopped it's like oh it's like job done let's get in you know for, for the break it goes back to this mentality thing doesn't it that we were talking about last week like this would you, we are switching off it's yeah. not just the, this isn't the first time it's we're switching off too much and it's it's like it's a game by game habit now we're now conceding every game switching off in key moments where we weren't doing that at the start of the season yeah and because uh, I noticed straight away because as, as soon as he put the board up because I was thinking right I'll be I'll be happy because of the way most of the first half went you know that it was kind of touch and go and all this sort of stuff we got back into it and I thought if we get in goalless I thought brilliant you know we'll get in we'll regroup brilliant and then the board went up and after that it was weird we just kind of uh, we just started kind of walking around I mean because even if you go back the original ball in from the left I mean they had acres of time to, to put that ball in and I think it was 2-1-1 down that flank when they put that ball in but we, we just gave them too much space we stood off them and and that ball when it comes in um when it actually comes in you know, it goes past everybody and it was kind of, it was like kind of half-hearted a bit, you know, nobody took control and just got rid of it. Um, and then, and then after that, you know, again, Dennis Sergan, we, we kind of called him out last week for, for kind of not closing him down. And I mean, his reaction after the goal, actually, he looked, he, he looked absolutely shattered, to be honest. Um, at that point, he yeah. just looked, he looked like he was knackered. I think that was part of the, the reason the, the kind of the, the winger got, got to the byline and got half a yard to get the ball in. But the whole Carlton Morris thing and and Danny Bart, I mean, you know, 100%, you know, I don't think anyone could argue that Carlton Morris didn't go over and, and kind of, you know, noble Danny Bart and, and do something and knock him over. But he, he knew what he was doing and he, and he got away with mm-hmm. it. I mean, look, you know, we, we got, it should have been a decision. But the, the problem is the ball was miles away and you're never going to get those unless the linesman is really on the ball. You're not going to get those decisions, and you know it, it looked like it actually hurt Danny Bart because he was he was physically knocked to the floor. He didn't just kind of he didn't throw himself down or anything like that. So it actually hurt no. him. Um, but but you know <laughs> if that was our strike, I would be thinking it was absolutely you know it was fantastic and kind of brilliant and you know it, you know would be would be all over it. So look. Yeah, we can complain. Referees missed one, but you've got to hand it to Carlton Morris. He he kind of did his job. He kind of took the defender out, and then he had half half a yard when the ball came in to to finish it off. But even after that, we could have done something about it. Yes, Bailey Wright mm. was then split between two players, but Bailey Wright could have done something about it. Patterson could have been stronger. If you look again, going back to the ball in, not just Sirkin, but if you look the Sirkin and Pritchard, and instead of you know when he goes down the line. Pritchard, Pritchard could kind of go go in that direction as well and cut the ball out, but he goes in the yeah. other direction instead of doubling up. He could help him out a bit more. So to be like like I said right up front, the the whole 
everything about that goal absolutely stank from from what what we did from what the officials did and and fair play again it's what it's how Co- it's how Luton play I was going to say Coventry there for some reason it just you know, <laughs> a, li- a link this was because we were playing in blue and white <laughs> maybe um but uh but yeah it it you know these the sort of things kind of happen what, what Carlton Morris did but we we didn't help ourselves it's interesting though because I'm presuming you've heard the Alex Pritchard podcast but in that the one that he did with the uh, club he he talked a little bit about VAR coming in in the championship and he's totally in favour of it he thinks that we've been docked so many points this season just by bad decisions that's one where VAR would have ruled the goal out because they would have zoomed in on Danny Bart saw him watching the ball it's not like Bart bought it he's not he's not even aware of Morris being there he gets kneed in the back of the leg. VAR that rules it out. Same last week with Burnley, it wouldn't have happened. There would have been there would have been a goal ruled out, and we've had it so many times this season. We've probably been on on the other end of it too, though. You know, sorry, it wasn't Burnley. It was the um, the two goals down at. <laughs> I can't even remember who we played. Now <laughs> we lost. This is the games have been coming that that often. I can't remember who we played, but yeah, lost two nil the other week, where both goals shouldn't have stood. Blackburn, there we go. Yes. Remember now, yeah, yeah. Blackburn. Tell her do me research. So yeah, down at Blackburn, we um we had two goals, and that I think that's where the topic sort of came from. He was like, you know, he was talking about me saying, well, in the Scottish Premiership they've got VAR, so why have we not got it? And these sort of decisions do strengthen those calls. Sunder a big team. We've got a lot of sway in the Championship. You would imagine at these big AFL meetings, it'll come up. It could be on the horizon, but it, it, I mean. You know, it is it is another one of those things where you look at it and you go, you know, if we had VAR, that wouldn't have stood, but but and it would have changed the game. Isn't isn't there rules? I mean, what what might be getting into it, but isn't there rules where, you know, to have VAR, like all the clubs have got to have a certain amount of infrastructure, like they've got to have a, a big scoreboard or something that can show the decisions and all this sort of stuff. Because when you when you look at some of the Scottish teams, Chris, they're not even the League Two grounds, are they? Well, you that's true, I mean? but I was just thinking because actually Luton might be a prime example why there isn't VAR VR in the in the Championship because the likes of them won't won't have that sort of stuff, you know. Wouldn't 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 you think though that in order to push it through that there would be a commitment of funds to like install certain things in grounds? You would thought, wouldn't you? I can't imagine like the likes of Ross County and the SPL have the money to to pay for all of that. I don't know how it works, but I mean that that's that's the only thing I can think really is that. When you look at the size of some of the clubs in the Scottish Premiership, they're, they're smaller than some of the teams in League Two, and the grounds are smaller. And I don't know, I don't know. There must be a reason why it's not happened yet. I just can't understand what it is. Well, looking at Luton's ground, I think they've got bigger priorities than a big scoreboard. <laughs> to be with they'll be in the Prem next season, and they'll need it anyways. <laughs> yeah, so we went into half time one down. Everybody was raging. Some of the crack online and sort of in our group chats like people had totally lost their minds but we had another 45 minutes of football to play I mean at that point to be fair I was gutted because I actually thought we deserved to at least be level going into the break I thought that in the first half we had some decent chances like you say we hit the post we we Ahmad opened up, up a number of times and and like I say the, the foul and the build up to it makes us think we were probably undeserved to be one down but we had to respond in, in the in the second half, and that's what we. It was interesting because on the flip side of the Burnley game, where we went in far too comfortable, come out far too comfortable, and got made to pay for it. You know, he was he put the same team out there. there was no subs at half time. We put the same team out there. He'd obviously told them uh, they'd have been talking in the dressing room about the the foul and the build up to their goal. The lads will have been pissed off. That'll have done the team talk for Mowbray. He said, "Look, uh, you know." You've been yes, you've been robbed, but there's nothing we can do about it now. Just go and show them what you're all about. Second half, I thought we were great. Thought we were good. And I wouldn't say it was the best football we've played, but I just thought we we were all right. We we knocked it about well, like we do. We tried to get in behind. Thought Roberts was pretty effective, probably more effective than Diaco was. Um, and as the sort of half went on, a couple of other players came on. I know that a lot of people were impressed with uh, Mishu coming on. I know that when Ellis Sims came on, he offered quite a lot up front. So the dynamic of the game was slightly different because in sort of the past, what's it been since Sims got injured, we just haven't had that striker to bring on. But on the other side as well, we had we, our bench just seemed to be better and we had 
better options to bring off. And I think Mowbray talked about that after the game. He actually said to me, he was pretty blunt. Like he said that he said no no offense to the the lads who didn't make the squad today, but that's probably as strong as our bench has looked in a long time. And he and he he actually gave credit to the likes of Roberts, Embleton, and Sims coming on and Michu for changing the game. Where maybe in the last few weeks we talked about this last week, didn't we? We haven't seen a lot from the from the lads coming off the bench in the last few weeks. So overall, you know, we we started the half pretty well as it as it went on. Oh, you're shaking your head and you're saying no, you don't agree? You don't think we didn't start too too good? No. No? I'm going to disagree with you. I thought we were all right. I, th- I think the first 15 minutes, I mean, don't get us wrong, we weren't, I'm not saying we were, I'm not saying we were awful or we were worse than we were in the, well, I, I just think first 15 minutes of the second half, I think both teams were just kind of slogging away at each other. There wasn't, there wasn't yeah. really any chances. There wasn't anybody putting their foot on the ball. There wasn't any kind of period of possession. There wasn't any, you know, let's get the, let's take control of the game. It was just tackles and high balls, and the ball was in the air far too much. But and, and this is this is where I have a bit of an issue again. You know, we talked about this. We talked about this last time that the way the first half went, it, it was a it was a kind of a slogging match. You know, both teams just going at it, basketball at times, long balls, nobody trying to put a foot on the ball and controlling it. And and it felt like we needed to make that change. And we talked about the making the yeah. you know Mowbray making the substitutions to to change a game. I mean, yes, and in the end, he did on sixty minutes. You know, on the hour mark, he made those changes. But you know, part of me didn't understand why at half time. And and don't get us wrong, I wasn't surprised because Mowbray hasn't been one to say something's not working. I need to change it now. He seems to wait and wait and wait until right. I, I have to change it now. But maybe at half time we could have said, right, well, this is what we need. We need someone to put a foot on the ball, right? Michu's going to be that that person, right? Let's let's make that change and try and make that happen. We we came out and and for me the first fifteen minutes of the second half was exactly the same, but actually of a lower quality. Really, it just like like I said, both teams were just slogging away each other. We made those changes on the hour mark. So Pritchard, Diaku, and Neil came off. Michu, Roberts, and Embleton came on, and and almost kind of immediately. It just the game's changed, and and he it, yeah. and he and he obviously I mean fair you know credit where credit's due for Mowbray he 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 clearly gave those players an instruction to say keep the football you know let's control the game yeah we're better than this we can play better football than this and he, and he gave that instruction and from pretty much from the first minute after making those subs we we, we start to put foot on the ball and I actually made a note that kind of just after the subs it was the first period of passing where we just kind of, you know, we played it into midfield and we made Luton run a bit, which we hadn't made them do. Like we, mm. we hadn't made them chase us when, when we just kept the ball and we did it straight away. And and the chances kind of started coming. I mean, I kind of had that shot into the side net and kind of about five minutes after we made the subs. And then we, we kind of backed, you know, we, we changed the game for about 10 minutes after those initial subs. And then after 10 minutes of, of that, that's when he brought Ella Sims on which I think was actually a really good move to change the game first and, and then bring Sims on. I was a little bit confused that half, just in the start of the second half, I'm honest, why Sims wasn't brought on. I was just looking at it and thinking, well, we're 1-0 down. You know, should we not just give him 45 minutes? I don't know. I don't know how the how how it was thought. On this occasion, the subs worked. Obviously, mm. they worked because, yeah. like you say, they all had an impact, but... It just felt like Sims came on a bit late for me because of that reason. One of the things you point you, you said there, good point you made, about the ball going forward quite a lot, going over the top and long. Mm. You know, if he's on the pitch, that's ideal to meet and drink to him. When he came on, I thought he held the, the ball up brilliant. That like straight away, that was the thing I noticed the most. I'm not even saying Sims came on and was like, you know, prime Didier Drogba or anything, <laughs> but he came on and the lads were like Right, we've got someone to hit now, and they were popping the ball off him, and just getting it back. Little five, and that makes such a difference to mm. everybody. We've got like a squad full of players who are brilliant at that two-touch, five-yard passing, working the ball out of tight situations, round players who are pressing and stuff. We were brilliant at that, but we just lack that physical presence up against the centre halves to stop it going straight back. And I think that's where Sims made his biggest impact in the game. But like like I like I said at the start of this this little section, you know, 
Mowbray talked about the quality he had on the bench on this occasion. And, you know, Roberts, Embleton, Mishu and Sims is a, is a lot better than what we've had in the last few weeks. And that's the thing, isn't it? Is obviously when we, we'll, we'll probably talk about Huddersfield in a bit, but like he's going to make changes to the team. I would imagine there's going to be players who came on who will start that game, and that's when he's got he's got to find that balance again on the bench. And we were talking about this last week about how players have just become accustomed to coming on as subs, and it's lessened their impact on games because they're just coming on. They're not really like they're coming on with a point to prove or anything. They're just all right, I'm on now. Where like the, the likes of mainly Embleton and um, Patrick Roberts in this case are players who are we know who can do a do a job from the bench, and that's maybe where it's a bit different. So the balance has got to be struck again down the line. But yeah, subs were fantastic. You know, Corey Evans and um, Pritchard didn't finish the game again, which will shock nobody because <laughs> how many times has that happened? It happens nearly every game. You know, um, I, I would look. I would love to get them off the record and ask about that because as two of the more experienced players it must they can't be it can't sit right with them that they keep getting taken off after an hour or so yeah yeah but just on, just on your point because actually you, you hit on something there when you were talking about you know changing the personnel who actually you've got on the bench and the the, the comments you've said Mowbray made about that you wonder if the the decisions to the likes of start and diaku those sort of decisions you wonder if it's actually thinking well you know in in previous games, I haven't been able to impact games much. You know, this kind of this is Mowbray thinking that, you know, he hasn't been able to impact games much because he's got the same players on the bench. And like you said, that the those changes are just doing the same thing week after week. If he if he starts with the likes of Diaku or, you know, if he starts with the likes of, you know, well, in this game, you know, we had Ahmad or whatever, and then um and then he brings the likes of Robertson or Sims. I mean, we're not saying like we'll do that every week, but it you know the likes of Bennett might have missed out at the weekend because, like you said, he, he's thinking, well, actually, I want him to start. I'm going to rotate everything, and I want him to start in midweek. So yeah, that's what we were talking about just off air, weren't we? About yeah. something Mowbray said after the game. He was talking about the the yellow card Jack Clark got for something really stupid, which obviously is now ruled him out of the game on Wednesday. And his response to that to the press was that it might be Bennett's chance to to start a game and show what he's got with that pace and stuff. So he, he sort of hinted that that might be the case. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because he, he, it's like what I said at the start. Like Diaku, there's been no end All of a sudden he's starting a game. Mm. Bennett hasn't made the squad on this occasion, could start on Wednesday. I suppose that's why you've got a squad though, isn't it? You know, not everybody can be in the, the 18. Yeah, but but Mowbray might have just felt well, it, you know, something needs freshening up because what well, I mean, I made comments before the game, I think, in the preview that what we didn't want to do was get into that habit, and you know, we'd lost, we'd lost three out of four, and any more might have made it a habit, and you know, Mowbray might have just thought, well, if I freshen it up, and 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 actually, the the other thing was so many games recently, actually, the game we've needed to impact a game, you know, on the hour mark. 75 minutes whatever it is by making changes that we could have we could have won the game we could have got a point and we didn't and actually with bringing the likes of Robertson and Sims I mean when Sims came on you know Sims came on around the, the kind of 70 minute mark about 10 minutes after those those initial three came on and and after that I mean it was virtually all us I mean, we started getting chances yeah. pretty much, you know, a couple of minutes later. I think that was, I think it was about two minutes after Sims came on. That was when Clark had that good chance six yards out, which smashed against a, a defender. Um, probably probably should have scored, but, you know, to, to be fair, it was, it was a crack and block because he absolutely smashed it um, from about six yards out. And then, um, and then you know, we scored, what, what, five or six minutes after Sims came on? Yeah, yeah, and it was another sub. We've got the goal, Elliot Embleton. It was a great ball in from Jack Clark, to be fair. Like, that's what we're going to miss on Wednesday night at Huddersfield. Huddersfield, who are a poor team, and like I say, we'll get onto that in a bit, but he would have he would have a field day on Wednesday against their defenders. And mm. yet again, he showed why we, um, we, we put our faith in him in the summer, paid a bit of money, because Jack Clark is not a complete winger by any stretch. But what he's brilliant at is just running at people. Like they don't know what to do with him. He twists inside and out. He's 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 very one footed, but yet he's so hard to 
to defend against because they don't know which way he's actually going to... It's not It's not necessarily which foot he crosses the ball with. It's which way he's going to run. So you don't know whether he's going to go down the outside or the inside because he's just as good in both situations, which is quite unusual for a lot of wingers these days. A lot of them are... You know, that if if they're like I would say Pat Roberts is a bit like this, to be honest. Pat Roberts is all left foot. So when you play him on the right, you can guarantee he's gonna cut inside and run across the, the sort of defensive line. Clark, you just don't know which way he's going. And the fullback doesn't know which way he's going, takes him down the outside. Clark puts a great ball across. And I think you said this a few weeks ago on a show where you were talking about the the fact that Embleton's so two footed, that's what makes him a commodity in this squad left-footed finish they don't get much better than that and he's you know I don't know which one's his stronger foot but you know if you were left-footed you'd be pretty happy with that great finish puts it in the bottom corner um good run I think after the game he was asked about the goal and he said that he's been talking to Mowbray and Mowbray had said to him I want you to make more of them runs sort of around the penalty spot when the when the lads get down the sides because we need you there because it's a good finish Aaron Milton to be fair you, you know I'm not saying he scored loads of goals for us but generally he's a his finishing's quite decent, and it, uh, yeah, an all-round decent goal, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was brilliant, and um, and, and it was funny because actually after um, uh, you know after Sims came on, you know, for, you know, it was just you just saw a change in Jack Clark because actually before that, before that, it looked like Jack Clark was actually looking a bit, he was looking a bit frustrated and. He was kind of, you know, you could see him huffing and puffing and, you know, we didn't give him the ball enough. He didn't get it in decent positions. Things he was trying weren't quite coming off. But then as soon as Sims came on and we made those changes, the ball was going out of him. And I mean, that that's what Clark does best. You know, he just stood up to the defender. Defender just didn't have a clue which way he was going because he, he shaped up when he first got the ball, like to come inside. Like he was going to come inside and, and then he just took a couple of touches and before you know it, he had half a yard near the byline. And, and you know, like Embleton said, I think he, he made those comments after the game, you know, Mowbray told him to get in the box. And I mean, that that for a pullback, when someone gets to the, the byline, you saw Embleton's movement. He actually took, took the defenders in with him into the six-yard box. And if you look, he completely stopped, took a step back. And that that's why yeah. he had that's why he had the space to be able to sweep it in. And you know, if if Embleton can add that to his game, I mean, you know, and he can get like that consistency we were talking a couple of weeks ago. I mean, we'll be laughing, you know, that because uh, an informed Embleton um, is is gonna is gonna get those sort of goals and he's gonna he's gonna pick those sort of things up. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Clark, like I said, he was a frustrated figure before that, but you know, he can he can just do he can just turn it on like that and create something out of nothing. And you know mm. he he will be a miss in midweek, unfortunately. It was funny watching the goal back there as we've been while you were talking, just because we were talking earlier about maybe how Circan could have done better, this player could have done that better. And our goal, you watch their defender; he's fully aware of where Emilton is, yet still gets drawn away from him. Mm. Emilton doesn't move. Emilton positioning's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's just hanging around the penalty spot, really. Well, what, but he, when he put, you look he, at him, he puts the brakes on. Do you say, yeah, yeah. Ev- everyone, everyone's running towards the, the into the and dropping deeper, and he, dropping he, the defensive line yeah, deeper. Yeah, he just yeah. puts the brakes on. Good, good play, good technical play. He's got, he's got the instinct in him to score those goals. Like I say, I love em- Embleton. Me, I just want him yeah. to put a consistent run of performances together. If he can do that, you know, you would be looking at maybe Pritchard's position in the team and going, well, he's actually offering a little bit more as a ten. He's scoring, he's creating. And then you would maybe be looking at around, you know, that's what he should be focusing on. Emilton needs to look at the position on the pitch where he sees himself playing and think, I need to target that. Is that I need to play there. Like, you know, Alex Pritchard might be an experienced, established player, but he's in front of me at the minute. And that's the reason I'm not getting a consistent run of games anyways. I'm not I'm not playing the 10 position. I'm I'm sometimes playing in where Dan Neal's playing. I'm sometimes playing out on the on the left wing or the right wing. You know, Embleton needs to now decide. I, I'm, if I'm a 10, then I'm gunning for him. I love him. He's my teammate. I've got his back, but I'm gunning for him. And to be fair, Pritchard isn't really producing when it comes to goals or assists. So that position's up for grabs as far as I'm concerned. You know, yeah. But we've only got three games left till the break. Yeah. So as much as I want to say you know, Pritchard is going to come good too, Emmelton's job is just to keep doing what he's just done there. And he might well start on Wednesday as a result. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, I was going to make exactly the same point about Embleton. I, I, I don't think there's any debate about him being a, a, a you know, a cracking footballer. 
it's just what what is Elliot Embleton? What, what is he? Is he a, like you just said, you know, that, that that question mark kind of hangs over him a little bit in, in terms of, you know, Mowbray's looking at him and, you know, I, I'd, I'd be half tempted to play him as a as a central midfielder, you know, like maybe like that Dan Neil role. But then he has to he has to kind of give Dan Neil an elbow and, and get in the team ahead of him. But, you know, if he yeah, if he if yeah. he adds if he adds that work rate to his game as to, you know, to be a central midfielder, then he, he could slot in there. But like I said, I, I think his natural position at the moment is that Pritchard role, and he, well, you know, he kind of it was a it was a like for like um, substitution by Mowbray to replace Embleton, um, you know, to put him on um, in place of Pritchard. So, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if in midweek he, he was in there. Wouldn't be surprised. The pro- problem is with um, the other thing with Pritchard. Like we said, he's he's getting an hour a game, and really, we want whoever's playing there to play every game, every minute of every game, if they can. For whatever reason, they don't deem that he's able to finish a game. There's a reason they're doing it because every single game Pritchard's off. Well, I mean, he's not. I would. I would love to know the percentage of games he's finished since he came to Sunderland. It seems to be every every game he comes off. Yeah, but uh, it's funny. I was just thinking there, and and I'd be I'd be interested to go through the the games actually. I I might I might, I might do it later and t- and take a look actually because I, I get the impression thinking back that you know generally we. We're kind of we're quite often chasing the game, and and if Pritchard, you know, if we need a goal and Pritchard hasn't been doing it, then he might get he might get kind of hooked in in someone else saying, "Go on, get us a goal," like Embleton did. But the the other the other end of the stick is if we've got a lead, then you might sacrifice Pritchard and bring on a, a more defensive player like Matete or or Barr or someone like that. So the thing is, he's hmm. he's in that position where if it's not going right, he's going to be. He's going to be pulled off for for someone who can, you know, attack, you know, and, and replace him. If it is going yeah. right, he's got, he might be brought off for a defensive player to keep the lead. So, I don't know. I think it's it's just one of them, isn't it? How do you think we played uh, after the goal? Then how do you how do you feel we did? I, I thought we could have nicked it because uh, it's funny because yeah. uh, again, you know, when I was kind of putting it all down on my thoughts uh, after the game uh, and and writing some notes down about it, I actually think because. You were kind of longing for the goal. You thought, oh, you know, if we only get a point out of this, it'll be it'll be a fantastic point. And then, you know, we scored with what fifteen minutes left on the clock, and you know, the the, the way the the kind of the the next few minutes went after we scored, you thought, hang on a minute, <laughs> we might be able to nick all three points here. Hmm. And, and actually, we I thought we looked the more dangerous side, even though I mean, they they had a couple of. Um, like you know, kind of scrambles in the box where you know that it didn't fall to them and, and and all that sort of stuff. Where you know, but they, they were they didn't produce anything where the, you thought, oh, they've got a clear cut chance. Um, and then you know we had you know with a with a few minutes to go, we had um, Patrick Roberts cutting inside, doing exactly what you talked about earlier. Cut inside, he had that shot, and you know I was up, arms in the air. I thought I was waiting for the net to ripple. I thought, get in, we you know we've won this. And uh, it, it went uh, went wide. I'm not sure how wide it went because the you know you never know from the camera angles. It could have went ten feet wide, but as soon as he hit it, I thought it was in. Um, and then and then in injury time, Ahmad absolutely did absolutely brilliant. Plucked one out of nowhere. I think he was on the left hand side, and he, he just smashed it. I don't know whether he meant it actually, but I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt and say that he meant it. He kind of smashed the ball, kind of a daisy cutter, right into the the middle of the pitch. And it landed at Ellis Sims' feet. And I, I just don't think Ellis Sims expected it to come because if he'd taken a, a touch that took him forward in behind, he, he was kind of in on goal almost. Yeah. But, um, but it was, you know, he was just kind of, like I said, it just, I think it came through a couple of players before it got to Sims and he, he wasn't expecting it. But, you know, if it, if it just landed, if he just kind of had that anticipation. But. I mean, just while we're on that subject uh, of Sims, you know, you talk, you mentioned earlier on about him kind of coming on and, and when he came on. I think the timing of when he came on is, for me, it's a signal of um, where um, where Sims is in his rehabilitation. I think it's really... Yeah. I think, actually, if, let's say, Stuart was fit and we had Stuart and, you know, we had those options... My guess would be Sims might have been given a few more days to the Huddersfield game. 
I think it was kind of needs needs must, and that's why he was on the pitch, and that's why he had twenty minutes. Um, and I think you know some of you know because it's so early, those things like that anticipation of that ball coming to him was you know he was maybe he needs that half a yard where he's he needs that extra week's worth of training and on the training ground, but uh, but yeah, I thought actually I, I thought <laughs> you know I'm not saying we should have, but I just think you know with the with the odd couple of chances that we had, um, we we could have easily nicked it. Uh, but mm. what I will say is, I think I think a draw was probably a fair result in the end. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's what most people thought as well. We we stuck a tweet out asking people for the three word reviews, and that's most of them are around about how we uh, <laughs> pretty much deserved a point. Patrick Hollis, our paddy, says well earned point. George Anderson, love this squad. Isola Sean says nice away point. Uh, JC says need more Sims. Steve Leach says, welcome back, Ellis. Hmm. SR7 says, Embo over Neil. That's an interesting one. I was thinking about this when we were talking about Emerton just before, about how he's got to decide what his position is because he's either hmm. wanting Pritchards or he's wanting Dan Neils. And quite a few people, like you just said, think he can play centre mid. Hmm. Uh, Chris Scar, decent away point. Uh, Paul Cook, a good point. Harold says, respect the point. We've got lots of these. Uh, Wayne Chapman thinks, Michu to start, which... Again, we'll get into this when we talk about Huddersfield in a minute. Uh, Christine Smith, rest Pritchard, Neil. Joanne McKeown, sounded fair enough. Uh, Paul Lund, better second half. Bambi, not too bad. Aslan says, frustrating, unlucky and hopeful. Uh, and we'll end on, from AJJ, a very bitty game. You're waving. Just on that, just on that, because I don't think... That when we were talking about the game, we mentioned Michu enough because that that comment about Michu there. That when I was talking about those those initial subs on the hour mark when Michu came on, he mm. he was he was absolutely brilliant, but in a very simple way that he didn't he didn't do anything complicated. And and I I do think I do think he'd had instruction from Mowbray to, to do exactly what he did. But I think it played to his strengths because I think that's what a, what type of player he is. But he just put a foot on the ball and he didn't do anything too complicated. He didn't try a worldy diagonal for 40 yards. He not only just kept possession, but whenever people, you know, as a central midfielder, whenever anybody was in possession, whether it was a defender or whether it was a wide player, he made himself available just for an easy short ball. And he, 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 mm. just, he provided space to people by being available for the ball. And every time he received it, his first touch was always bang on. And he always gave it simple, and and at yeah. that at that point, it was exactly what we need. And if he yeah. if he starts kind of integrating himself into the team with these kind of cameos at the minute, I honestly think it's just a matter of time. But because he looks he looks like he's got a touch of class on the ball, and I just think it's a matter of time before he starts a game. Yeah, they've brought him here for a reason, and yeah. Mowbray Mowbray talked about it last week, where he's talking about how that you know that. He re- he he referred to them more generally as a group, but you know, Michu, Barr, Bennett, those players, about how you know there's so much change has gone on in their life since they came to Sunland. It's almost it's almost impossible to expect them to be able to make a massive impact immediately, because like the young kids, they've got so much to process, learning life skills away from the pitch, like. With so much going on and having to adjust to move into a new country and a new language and being away from family and friends and all the rest of it, like it's difficult for them to be able to show on the pitch what they can do. Like if we'd signed, say, Mishu and started him in games, I guarantee you would have been poor yeah. over the majority of them because it's just not how it works. But we're now sort of two months down the line since he came. Um, we've got a couple of games before the break, and it may well be that you know. Not necessarily. He might not start. He might start one or two. I don't know. But I would think maybe after the break is when Mowbray will be looking at that particular group of players and going, right. You've had your couple of months to settle in. We've been away on winter warm training, and we've got to know each other better because that's a big thing he talked about. He wants them to go away and he wants them to just get to know people better because he feels like it. You don't get that unless you're with each other twenty four hours a day. So they've got that that to come they've got a couple of weeks of training and that, that might be then when they go right our plan for you is now ramping up we want you starting games we want you showing what you can do why you came to this club and he's probably the out of all of them the one where I'm looking at him thinking the pedigree he's got massive there's a reason Paris Saint-Germain was playing him in games in a team of 
superstars last season and he was getting minutes for that team. He should be able to affect games in the championship, but only if the situation's right. You know what I mean? It's not we we can't expect the world from this kid, but eventually he will get the chance to show what he's got. You, you say that about the championship, and and you're right. Eventually, but I th- I think I think the championship is gonna it's, it's gonna take them a while to get to get used to the yeah. football in the championship because it's very the, easy to balls the, that up as well, the, isn't it? Well, the, That's the, the other thing the, the championship doesn't take any prisoners. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it, it's it's you know, in some ways, it might even be more physical than the Premier League because the Premier League you've got more time and space on the ball to to maybe do your thing, and it's more kind of. You know, it's more intricate in the Premier League, whereas, you know, in the Championship, someone will just come in and smash you if you take too long on the ball. And they, they, need, they need time to get used to that. Yeah. That leads us into the next game then. So we play Wednesday against Huddersfield at their stadium, which I can't remember the name of. It used to be the John Smith Stadium. I don't know if it still is. Uh, uh, Might well, be. used to be the McAlpine back in the day as well. Yeah, it's still the John Smith Stadium. So there we go. Yeah. Probably one of the best names in, in football, that. Um <laughs> But yeah, Huddersfield aren't doing great. Second bottom of the league, although their form has been better recently. They've they've picked up a little bit, but they struggle a little bit like us, to be fair. They've won one, they've lost one, they've drawn like you know what I mean. No real pattern to their form, but they're fighting to try and get some momentum. I think they've got a new manager now, so maybe he's just settling in. But as we've talked about there, there are a few lads who probably should be pushing for a start in that game, aren't they? Is it time to start Sims, do you think, or is it too early? Because it's one of those, isn't it, where we, Huddersfield are a team built last season under Corboran, who last season, anyways, when they were quite successful, like to keep it on the deck. Could be the time to put a big lad up front and, and see what we can do. The other one is Patrick Roberts, who got a decent chunk of time on the pitch, providing he's got through that unscathed. Could be one for him to start. As we said before, Mowbray has given press interviews after the match and said about how Clark's. Uh, ban presents opportunity to maybe Bennett to start a game that's pretty exciting because we haven't seen that yet quite a lot that can happen here isn't there yeah and and, and the evidence suggests you know what I, what I said earlier on about Sims the evidence suggests that I really can't see Sims being in the starting 11 I, I'd be amazed because I, like I said I think if he was if he was fully fit he would have come on earlier Um, and my you know my good feelings telling us that Sims wouldn't have been on the bench if we weren't kind of in kind of bit such desperate. Ne- yeah, yeah, it's such need from. But I mean, look, just looking at, just, I mean, yeah, talking about other changes. Um, I, you know, the, the the Diaku thing is completely thrown as that. I, it's just kind of before, if maybe a couple of weeks ago, I would have been saying, yeah, we kind of know what Mowbray's first eleven is. Now, after that kind of curveball that he threw in I'm kind of thinking well anybody could start really Roberts could come back in mm. Roberts could come back in Michu could start he might he might stick with Neil he might stick uh, I, I assume that Evans will be in there because away from home midweek I, I, I just think I'd be amazed if two kind of ball players were in there um, but you, you wonder if Matete, Matete was on the bench and he didn't come on um, you wonder if he might get on and kind of give a bit of energy in the middle um, but it's 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 actually who knows now, actually, after Diak came in. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> but what I do think, I think at the back, I think he'll keep with that back four. I think um, we yeah. we kind of, we stood up to what Luton threw at us. And, and I think uh, I think we'll, we'll stick with that back four with, with Bailey Wright in alongside uh, Danny Barton or nine at right back. Just on the subject of Huddersfield, even though looking at their position in the table, second bottom, you know, one point above West Brom, who were bottom you know, two points away from uh, Middlesbrough, even though they've got a game in hand to get out the, the bottom three. Looking at their home form, you know, they've they've won three out of the last four at home, uh, where they've won, won three, lost one in their last four at home. Um, if you look at their home record this season, um, they've got kind of one of their best defensive records. I think there's only, what, four teams or something who've conceded less at home this season than Huddersfield, so they don't concede goals at home. Um, they don't score many either, but they've won four this season, and all four of their victories this season have come uh, at home. So I, re- I don't, mm. you know, look at if you just based it on the league position, you'd think, oh, we've got a chance of three points, and and I think that's what we should be targeting, obviously. But I don't think it's going to be as easy as the the league table suggests. No, nah, I, I, the only changes I would make are the ones that are 
obvious, if I'm honest. I think I hadn't really considered playing Bennett until Mowbray, I read Mowbray's comments on him, but it does make sense, to be honest, because he's probably, out of the, the rest of the players, he's the most like Clark. He plays on the left, you know, so give the lad a chance, yeah. you know, play him, the, give him a shot. Uh, yeah, the other advantage of playing Bennett is he's a bit of an unknown, unknown quantity, isn't he? I mean, th- yeah, there's, there's not yeah. much to go off. So if he's in the starting 11, you're going to have kind of players going, well, what, what's he like? Does he cut inside? Does he go down the wing? Opposition aren't going to know much about him. Yeah, so I think he comes in and Roberts comes in for Diaru, and that's probably it. Probably it. If uh, if Sims is deemed fit enough to start, then you could maybe bring out Pritchard even. Is that likely against his old team? Away from home, the, the the other thing is that's the other thing I hadn't even thought about until I've just said his old team. He's going to really want to prove a point against them because they hate him, and that's maybe a good time to play him. You would you would have Ahmad up top. Yeah, it's tough though, isn't it? Because you can't drop Ahmad. Scored against um, Burnley, then puts in a man of the match performance the other day. He can't be dropped, but it's quite clear he's better through the middle. Pritchard is a difficult one because. I might have been calling to make a change there, but this is his old team. They really don't like him. And I actually think when when he's got a bit of pressure on his shoulders, he thrives and he does look good. And I just I, I, I think this could be one where Pritchard actually has a good game. So tough, isn't it? I thought you might I might I think you might be right about Sims. You might just keep him on the bench again. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, I'd I'd be amazed if Sims started. But but the Ebelton one Mowbray's got to be tempted to to stick with a player whose tail's going to be up after after scoring the goal at the weekend, isn't it? Mm, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think I think Pritchard's going to be desperate to play this game. It's just one I don't know what Mowbray is a bit of a he likes he likes to try and motivate his players with an arm around the shoulder type, of, and I just think I think he'll know how much it'll mean to Pritchard to play this game. So I, I think he starts. It's a strange one, this, isn't it? I'm, I'm struggling to work out what he's going to do. Yeah, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, I think we would have just went, yep, that, that's going to be the 11, he's not going to make changes, and now it's it, it, a case of who knows. Yeah, yeah, so I think whatever he does, he's got a couple of tough decisions to make. Someone There's going to be players left off, even though Clark's not available, and we don't know of any injury issues, but there are going to be some disappointed players not in the squad, because we didn't see Abdullah Bai, he's another one who probably wants to be playing and isn't. It, it's good you know? though. It's it's a good problem to have, and and the fact that we're going around the squad saying, you know, like you know, you're saying it's exciting that Bennett might might get a start. We the way we were talking about Michu, I mean, if he comes in, would it, would anybody kind of be, you know, completely surprised if he came in? Would anybody really mm. be surprised if Embleton came in for Pritchard? Would anybody be surprised, you know, maybe more so if if Matete came in to give that en- energy in the middle? But just going through the players. We have we have got some options to to kind of bring in if he wants to change things up. Yeah, yeah. How do you say going in this game? Because it's tough, isn't it? Huddersfield yeah. are second bottom, but like I say, the form's been better, hasn't it? And we are just at that stage now where we've got to start winning games soon. And I think even <laughs> even though we know, there's a bit more to it than the fact our Huddersfield are second bottom, I think if you if you're being honest, we've got to win this game. Yeah, I oh, yeah. I, I, I think we've got to win this game. Yeah. Oh no. Absolutely. Hundred percent. You know, we've got to win the game, and we we've got a we've got a decent. You know, not not fantastic. We've got a decent uh, uh, kind of uh, based on our away record. It would kind of put us in the in the top ten in the table just based on um, away games this season. But um, but I, again, I mean, I keep coming back to it. But I, I just think you know we we got drawn into playing the way Luton. We we got into drawn into play the way they play. If we from the off at Huddersfield, get the ball down and play football like we can do and keep possession of the football. I I, I, I genuinely think we can beat anybody in this division. It's just how we, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how we approach games and if we start off well and if we, if we kind of get players in the right positions with the ball and we, we, that we can take advantage of. So, it, I think after after five minutes, it's it's one of them actually with the type of team at, at the moment that after five minutes. You can tell which kind of Sunderland kind of are playing, and you know whether we have to get back to what we do well, or whether we we have to kind of ride it out and earn the right to to play in a game like we did at Luton. But um, yeah, I, I, 
yeah, three points. I think it's it's there for the taking. Looking at their their league position, but they're a better side at home than than the league table suggests. Yeah, and it's funny looking at their uh, the, the the stats from the game against Millwall at the weekend. <laughs> they they only had forty one percent possession scored in the ninth minute. Millwall had nothing. Millwall had one shot on target in the whole game. So are, are they? Are they, do they frustrate teams? I mean, I don't know enough about Huddersfield, but we you've got it. Looking at that, what I do think, looking at that, the fact that they gave away so much of the ball and Millwall did nothing with it suggests we're going to have quite a lot of the ball. And I actually think we're quite good at breaking teams down. So it's in, but that's with Clark in the team, and we don't have Clark. So this there, there are so many variables. I I'll be honest, I would be disappointed if we didn't win. But we always say that, well, I always say anyways, that a point away from home is always decent. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if fans will view it that way, though. Well, well I mean, that, that that result kind of sums the championship up because Millwall, Mill, Millwall had won kind of four off the bounce before <laughs> before the weekend and then they go to Huddersfield, mm. who were almost bottom of the league, and, and get turned over. So it, it's that type of league, you know, if, if we're not on it, even though going to a team who were kind of struggling in general, if we're not on it, we'll get turned over. If if we're on our game, we'll get three points. I think it's as simple as that. Because we are we are good enough. We've got the players. We've got the players to impact games like that and 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 get the goals and and win games. If 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 like I said, if we're on it, fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Well, we'll we'll be back in the build up to the weekend, possibly with a preview show. Possibly with something a bit like this where we just chat about the game midweek. I don't know. These midweekers are throwing everything up in the air. Uh, but we will be back at some point with a podcast. So make sure you catch that. Uh, all your content over on roteReport.SBNation.com too. Every single morning, 6am. Watch out for that. We've got a Lasses podcast now, which Rich hosts. Find that feed on your favourite podcatcher. We've got Friday Night Live coming up on Friday night at half past seven over on Twitter. So make sure you join us for that. And if you're not sick of hearing us reading our views by that point, then God knows what. But yeah, we'll be back at various points throughout the week. Uh, Thanks, Chris. Thanks for joining us, mate. Always a pleasure, mate. And thanks to listeners. Catch you later. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 